Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. God, whatever it is you want to say to our hearts this morning, we're listening. We humble ourselves in front of your throne. We happily sit under your word. And we do pray that your Holy Spirit would have your way in our hearts. Nothing in my life this morning, Lord, is hands off. Nothing in my life is hands off. Speak and move and touch and heal and restore and repair and direct and guide and convict and discipline and inspire. Bring rejoicing. Bring healing. When you do what you can do, changes everything God. so come Holy Spirit for the, for the glory of God and for the good of your people move in our hearts in the name of Jesus the Son our Savior the Lord whom we love Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there in the room. Moms are awesome. That's the hashtag for the day and for every day of the year, right? Moms are awesome. And moms, you deserve a day to be um, reminded that we are grateful uh, for who you are and the way that you have impacted all of our lives. This morning, we are in part three in the final piece of a series called Ingredients. And the heart behind this is, is to remind you and to remind me that God cares about the relationships in our lives. He cares about your relationships at home, the ones with your kids, the ones with your spouse, the ones with your siblings. He cares about your relationships at work, the one with your coworkers laterally, the ones with your supervisor, and the, one with your, uh, the ones with your, your subordinates, the employees who work for you. He cares about those relationships. And God cares about your relationships at school. Students, your relationships with teachers and administrators and your relationships with your peers. God absolutely cares about your relationship with your coaches and teammates and all of those things. God absolutely cares. And so does your church. And your church is spending a few weeks here to cheer you on and to encourage you that if you will identify some biblical ingredients and add these into your relationships... Some of the ones that are difficult and strained or maybe even broken could be repaired. And some of the ones that are just kind of okay could be moved from just okay to amazing. So that's the heart behind this series, that God cares, we care about your relationships, and we want to help you and inspire and equip you for adding in some biblical ingredients 
In the first week, we talked about compassion, and if we were to to pause and ask the question, what is it like to be them? What's the hurt behind their behavior? What's going on in their life? What's their story? What's happening at home? It would absolutely change our relationships. Last Sunday, we talked about relational repentance, swallowing hard and humbling ourselves to look someone in the eye And not say, I'm sorry if you're upset, or I'm sorry if you're offended, but when we have truly created a mess, we clean it up, look them in the eye and say, I'm sorry for fill in the blank. And if we had that kind of relational repentance, it could really help our relationships. And so today, we come into this final piece this morning, and we're going to look at one more piece. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. It'll be up on your screen. You can also find it in your, on your Bible app or in your book, whatever you have in your hand. And by the way, if you don't own an easy-to-read copy of the Scriptures, if you don't have a copy of the Bible that's easy for you to read, we would love to give you one. If you'll stop by the Starting Point Center on your way out this morning, um, just say, hey, can I have one of the Bibles? They'll take care of you, and that will be yours. It would be in our honor to put a Bible in your hand, and that would be your gift to keep. Mark chapter 12 We're going to pick up with this conversation that Jesus is having with the religious leaders. It's going to be in verse 28. Mark 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now this person was not just curious. They were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to trick Jesus. They were trying to get an answer out of Jesus that would cause him to look bad in front of the crowd that had gathered. And Jesus answers, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second, so the second commandment, The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is lifting up this selfless love. When it talks about loving your neighbor as yourself, it's this idea of love others the way you want to be loved yourself. The way you want to be treated, treat those people that way. And you know who probably taught us that when we were real little? Our moms. Happy Mother's Day. Way to go, moms. Jesus said the second commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself, for there is no commandment greater than these. And I'm starting off this way this morning for this third part in this ingredient series about relationships, because in this text we see two of the absolute supreme relationships. And the first one is your relationship with God. We must be people who are fully devoted to the Lord first. Amen? God must have all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, our free time, our resources, our relationships, everything. My time is yours, my body is yours, my house is yours, my things are yours, all of my days are yours. That absolute full devotion onto the Lord. And the second one is built on the first Because you cannot fully love your neighbor 
unless you are fully loving your Savior. You cannot fully love your neighbor unless you are fully loving your Savior. What your relationship needs at home, what your relationships need at work, what your relationships need at school is someone who is locked in on this first and greatest commandment. Someone who is Bible-drenched, prayed up, and head over heels in love with God. Your office needs that person. Your office needs you walking in the door and Jesus is your first love. And your mind is fixed on the kingdom of God and your, your will is aligned to the word of God. Your relationships at home, at work, at school, they need you to have that first and primary relationship locked down so that you can fulfill that second one. Love God with all that you are and also love your neighbor as yourself. That unselfish love that's mentioned in there, loving others as you want to be loved, that is an absolute rare thing, isn't it? Unselfish love is rare because a lot of times in relational transactions, we have an ulterior motive. Sweetheart, I washed the dishes tonight Hoping to get a little kiss later. Hey, by the way, I put that report you were looking for in your box. Secretly hoping that you'll give me a good evaluation on my annual review. The world is full of selfish motives. And this kind of love is not only rare, it is supernatural. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm not supernatural. I don't, I don't have supernatural abilities. Hold on a second. When unselfish love shows up in your homework or school, that is a supernatural moment because only Jesus can change a heart, change a heart from selfishness to unselfishness. Only Jesus can do that. That is why it is often a moment in, in the world when they see a Christian acting out in the economy of God, of loving their enemies, of not, um, not repaying someone back with violence, but turning the other cheek. When they see that, they kind of turn their head like, what is that? How can that happen? How can you have that response? How can you have that motive? How can you have that reaction? <laughs> Taking no credit, but Jesus has changed my heart. He is setting me free day by day from the grip of selfishness on my life. And the more I'm in love with Jesus, the more I realize that his kind of love in my relationships at home, work, and school are radically better. These two relationships set up everything this unselfish love is not an emotion. I unselfishly love you. It's not an emotion, it's action. It is action that has this beautiful and powerful connection to grace. Remember the definition of grace. Grace is undeserved kindness. When you don't deserve this, but I'm going to do it for you anyway. And, and it's, I'm thinking about you. I'm moving toward you. The, the biblical definition of grace is God stooping down from heaven to offer us some things, some assistance, some help, 
some kindness. That's the grace of God. You and I don't deserve it. This unselfish love, love your neighbor as yourself, is absolutely connected to the grace of God. So when you demonstrate that at your school, students, unselfish love, when you demonstrate that at your home or office, you're acting like God. And friends, let that be one of the highest compliments someone could ever say to you. You're so much like Jesus. What a high compliment. First two commandments are the foundation for understanding this last and final piece. So what is our ingredient this morning? Our ingredient to add into your relationships is unselfish love. That's the ingredient I'm challenging you to add into your relationships and homework and school. And today I'm going to unpack that in three specific ways because we need to say, all right, unselfish love is not an emotion, so what does it look like? Unselfish love looks like three things. Number one, unselfish love looks like denying yourself to consider what the other person wants or prefers. Ouch. Unselfish love looks like you denying yourself. It's a choice. I'm going to cause my preferences to take a backseat to my spouses or my families or my coworkers or my classmates' preferences. This is unselfish love in denying yourself. Look at this passage from the book of Philippians. It's going to come up from Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4 together. Paul writes and he says, do nothing, and nothing would include homework and school, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Friends, if you and I began to live this out and to think about how does my action impact the other people around me, if we could become unselfish men and women, this would take the love of God into our home, work, and school like never before. We have an opportunity every single day to deny ourselves. That's our sanctification process. Remember I said just a second ago, day by day, God is growing me out from under the grip of selfishness because I tell you what, I've lived a few years, but I still have some selfishness in me. Anybody else? And day by day, as I love Jesus more fully, I am able to love my neighbor more unselfishly. They are absolutely connected. Would your friends say that you consider what they want more than what you want? Would your friends say that you don't just look to your own interests, but you look to their interests as well. Would your spouse say this? Would your kids say this? Would your coworkers say this? Unselfish love looks like denying yourself to consider what the other person wants and prefers. Don't forget what Jesus said in Luke 9:23. If anyone wants to come after me, he's going to have to what? Deny himself. And take up his cross daily 
He's going to have to die to himself every day and say others first is the way of the kingdom of God. Jesus said elsewhere, for the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the upside down economy of the Lord. Unselfishness is the call. That's how we show it, by denying ourselves and caring about other people and what they prefer. Number two, the second way that unselfish love shows up. Number two, unselfish love looks like honoring others. It looks like honoring others. We don't do this enough in our world. I, I mentioned this at an event we held on Monday night. We had almost 100 of our Hope Builders from People of Hope Church at a gathering, our first annual Hope Builders Ball, where we had an opportunity to say thank you to all the people who've served this church, the people who serve you and make good things happen for other people. And we had a chance to honor all of those people and say, come and have fun in a beautiful place and some beautiful music and some good tasting food. Come and enjoy, come and enjoy. We want this dinner to honor you and to say, we see you, we see what you're doing, we see how you're living, we see how you're sacrificing, we see what you're putting into this, and we want to honor that. We want to honor that. And we did that for the goal of the person being honored, that they would feel noticed, that they would feel loved, and that they would really get it, that they are making a difference. Monday night, I stood up in front of that group and I said, we're doing this tonight because too much of our culture is catching people doing things wrong. And we need to be a people of God who are catching people doing right. Amen? So let's honor those who are all in. Honor those who are serving and sacrificing. Honor those who are contributing so much so that they might feel noticed and loved. That's not why they're doing it, but let's honor them anyway so that they can know they are actually genuinely making an impact. There's a couple of scripture passages that'll come up on the screen. Romans 12, 10 is one of them, and it says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Another translation of this says, outdo each other in honoring each other. Teenagers, outdo each other in honoring each other. Grown-ups, outdo each other in honoring each other. And what you do when you bring honor into a relationship is, is you bring God's kind of love into the moment. Social media is beautiful and wonderful and horrible and tragic all at the same time. There are some times when you may have Instagram open on your phone and you may see that person's getting too many likes. I'm not gonna like their photo I'm going to hold back my like because they're getting too many likes. I don't get that many likes. No, not getting a like. I'm swiping. I'm come, come, continue on. This is going to sound silly, but when someone has good news, 
One of the ways that you can cheer them on and honor them is to celebrate with them. So share and retweet and repost and all of those kind of things just to say, I'm going to lift up and honor this good thing that's going on. There's another passage that I want you to see out of Philippians, same chapter we were in a moment ago, verse 3. Consider others above yourselves. Consider others above yourselves. Honor them. The word honor comes from the Old Testament uh, word for the glory of God, the, the weight of it. When the Bible says, honor your father and mother, um, by the way, no one ever outgrows that command. You don't get to turn 24 and outgrow that command. <laughs> honor means give them weight in your life. Look at my mom, look at my dad and say, they have weight in my life. The role they are in, the assignment that God has given them to be my mom or to be my dad, I need to give weight to their words. I need to give weight to their opinion. I need to honor them and never, never, never blow them off. I need to honor them. And one of the ways you show unselfish love is to honor. Honor those in authority when you deal with a person of law enforcement, when you deal with an elected official, when you talk about an elected official, when you post about an elected official, you honor the office, even if the occupant is someone you're not excited about. That goes for teachers and coaches and leaders at your church. You honor those in authority. It also means that you take time to honor people by being a blessing to those who've been a blessing to you. Write more notes. Give more gifts. To just say, I wanted to have a moment where I handed you a little something. I wrote you a little note just to say, I'm grateful for you. I caught you doing something right. You're amazing. You're wonderful. I'm glad you're in my life. I'm glad we're friends. Honor people. When you do that, you inject some of God's kind of love into a heart that may be draining a whole lot. And honor doesn't have to puff us up in pride. Sometimes it can fill us up so we can make it the next day. Don't forget to honor. And we cannot move on from this one until we say, honor your mom. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. One more time. Moms have made an imprint in us and an impact on us. They have carried us they have backed us up. They have defended us. They have tended to our wounds. They have disciplined us when we needed it. Our moms have shown up. 
And that position, being a mom is hard. Moms are awesome. Moms can do anything. That position and role is worthy of honor, respect for the one who doesn't get as much sleep as they wish they could get, respect and honor for the one who puts their own preferences last after the kids are taken care of. Honor. It's one of the ways that you show you belong to the king. It's one of the ways that you show that you aren't out to just make yourself look good, but you want to point to one who deserves some honor. When I love Jesus fully, then I'm excited to honor somebody else. And I'm not going, when's my turn? Because again, selfishness runs in our system, amen? A lot of us kind of go, well, great, they were honored. When's my turn? Good for them. Yay! That's fake honor. The more you're in love with Jesus, the more you understand his ways, the more you understand his heart, the more you understand the bottomless aspect of grace, the more you are freed up day by day from selfishness and the more you are able to rejoice in honoring someone else, even if the honor doesn't come to you. I really want to be that person, Pastor. I really want to be that person who honors and denies myself and thinks of others first. How do I do that? Be more fully devoted to Jesus. And the love of God will infect you in all the best ways. Be more fully devoted to Jesus. Spend more time in his word. Study the character and nature of Jesus. And the grace of of Jesus will begin to not just impact you, but to flow through you. Number three, the third way that unselfish love shows up, what does it look like? It looks like serving others. Let's look at this last part of Philippians 2, this passage that you're probably familiar with. Philippians 2, verse 5 What's the very first line here? Look at that. In your relationship with one another. Hello, that's the series we're in. In your relationships with each other. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So have the same attitude. Have the same approach. Have the same view, perspective. Take on what Jesus thinks about this. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not regard equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Let's keep going. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Notice what's going on in that passage. Jesus fully knew who he is as the glorious Son of God, eternal part of the Trinity, right? But he did not regard that as something to be used for his own advantage. Another translation said he did not hold on too tightly to it. It was not something he was willing to keep grasping onto it. But he made himself into the form of a servant. Another translation says he emptied himself. Friends, if I could surmise the battle we have with selfishness as we push against the love of God, if I could summarize that, it would be this. There's too much of me in me. Can I get a witness? So have the same attitude of myself. I need to empty myself. And that doesn't happen by accident. And I need to take on the form of a servant. I challenge you, dear ones, that in this week, you would think about how can I serve the people of my family? Not to do the dishes to get the kiss. Not to put your stuff away so that you'll get a compliment. Not for any ulterior motive, but how can I serve the people in my house? How can I serve the people at my office? You and God talk about that. You and God pray about that. You and God think about that. Be creative. How can I serve them? How can I show them some unselfish love? How can I do this at my school? How can I serve people at my school? Not necessarily in a big campaign that's got a, uh, an Instagram account and a hashtag with it and a t-shirt and a button and banners. Not necessarily a big campaign of serving, but how could I serve individuals? How could I serve my administrators, my teachers, my friends, one-on-one, -on -one, my coaches, my teammates? How could I serve them? Because remember, unselfish love is not an emotion. It is love in action. And serving is unselfish love in action with the goal of benefiting somebody else. Serving is unselfish love in action with the goal of benefiting someone else. So how can I help someone this week? Listen to these words. How can I assist someone this week? How can I provide for someone this week? How can I relieve something for someone this week? How can I take care of someone this week? How may I serve you? When you do this, you're bringing into the world the outrageous love of God that is rare and supernatural and only exists where Jesus changes a heart from self-focused to others-focused. Only Jesus can make that change. Each week, we've been talking about these biblical ingredients and some cooking ingredients. And in the first week, we talked about compassion and how it's this beautiful and strong thing that if you add that into a relationship, it can just take it to something really beautiful. And 
we had a vanilla bean, if you remember, and we tried to fill the room with a little a bit of the perfume of vanilla and just thought, oh, oh that's such a great, great aroma and, and compassion in a relationship is strong and it perfumes and makes a difference and it makes it wonderful. Last week, we talked about this idea of relational repentance and the ingredients was, who remembers? Garlic. Awesome. You guys are paying attention. I love that. Very cool. The last week ingredient was garlic, and garlic is really strong, but we also learned about garlic that it has these natural antibiotic tendencies and these natural abilities to maybe serve as an antiseptic so that when there's a wound, germs don't take over and a wound doesn't get infected and fester and become a real problem. So in our relationships, we can bring something strong. It is a strong move to look someone in the eye and say, I need to own what I did wrong. I apologize apologize for that. I am so sorry for. And just maybe where there's a difficult, strained relationship, you can bring that strong garlic antiseptic apology. And in that moment, maybe you can stave off that wound getting worse. So today, we're looking at unselfish love, and it's kind of rare, and, and it doesn't come naturally. And so I've been thinking about all kinds of ingredients this week. And so I, I came up with one, and, and here's the ingredient uh, for today. Whipped cream. Look at the, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, like smiles broke out, like, yes. And I heard some amens, and like, yes, right on, yes. Uh, I have personally never made whipped cream before, but are you... I understand you take heavy cream and you whip it in a bowl with a whisk for a long time. Like a lot of work and you don't stop. You're putting air into it to lift it up. Keep going. Put it on a stand mixer. Turn the machine on. Let it go. But when you do this, it takes on this fluffiness and then you sweeten it a little bit. And this heavy creamed with all the air filled in and the sweetener that comes in, maybe even you put some vanilla bean in it. Go crazy. No garlic. I don't recommend that at all. But whipped cream is extra. It's a delight. It's an unexpected surprise. Here's this beautiful piece of pecan pie. That looks amazing as it is. How about some whipped cream on that? Yeah. I found out that whipped cream came to be popular back in the 1500s. They figured out that they could work hard and whip some air into that, that cream and get it to this consistency. And, and it works better if your bowl is cold and the cream is cold and the whisk is cold and all these kind of things. And I also found out that, that sort of the more popular or familiar version of, of whipped cream that some of us may, may know about this version uh, right here, this came along. They started to infuse and put it in sort of a device that it could spray back in the 1930s. Anybody a fan of Ready Whip with this? And, and all of us who are big fans of this have had our moments of sprinkling this on everything. I mean, we may squirt some on coffee. You may like that on top of a little coffee, a little spritz in there of coffee. On your dessert along the way, pancakes, on, on a little bowl of fruit. Kind of thing. And, and anybody else with me? 
Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Whipped cream is a delightful surprise. It's a little bit extra. It takes work to make it. It doesn't just happen to cream naturally. But if you add whipped cream to a dish, you get a little bit of a wow. Something delicious. Something that was just okay suddenly became amazing. And my challenge to you as sons and daughters of God is that this week you would get so close to Jesus and that you would spend so much time in his word that the Holy Spirit fills you up and you can walk out the door of your house, get in the battle for unselfishness and maybe your relationships at home and at work and at school could all of a sudden become extra and delicious through the hard work of denying ourselves, of stepping back to honor others, and taking every chance we can get to empty ourselves to serve that there might be great big smiles on the people in our lives. And they may say, I am so thankful I get to be in a relationship with them because I see the love of God in the way they treat me. Let's pray. Would you talk to God right now with your head bowed and your eyes closed about your own battle with selfishness? Let that include confession. Let that include repentance. Let that include a plea, God, help me to be an unselfish husband. God, help me to be an unselfish wife because it does not come naturally. God, help me to be a servant to the people around me. God, teach me to empty myself. There's so much of me in me.